Good morning, everybody. If you're not already there, if you'll open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, that's where we're going to begin in just a moment. Um, it's good to see all of you. It's especially encouraging to, uh, to see all of you when we have a lot of family away. And uh, I, I'm thankful for weeks like this. It reminds me of how much we should appreciate and be encouraged by each brother and sister um, in the fellowship that we share with, uh, with one another. Um, we have a few people who are here for the first time. I want you guys to know that you're our honored guest. You're welcome with us, and we're thankful to have you. Um, it's a blessing to be able to meet new people who love the Lord and are interested in learning more about Him. And so we thank you for being with us. Um, we've been reading through the Gospel of Luke together as a congregation. Um, we're skipping over one story today. Uh, and that's only because Ben wanted to speak on that particular topic uh, next week um, in going with his theme. The Good Samaritan will be the topic of the sermon next week. Um, and so today we're going to start in chapter 10 and verse 38 um, and go down through chapter 11 and verse 13 in our Bible study period. For, the, uh, for our time together um, now, though, I'd like for us just to look at this story, um, simple story, as Brian prayed, um, of Mary and Martha and to talk uh, about some important lessons we can learn from it. Um, you know, it's tax season. If you didn't know that, you need to know that because uh, you got like a week left. Um, and every year when I'm doing my taxes uh, and totaling up how much, we've, how much we've spent and how we've used our money over the past year, I'm always shocked by how much we've spent in certain categories. And one category that always gets me every year is, uh, is the amount of money that we spend uh, on eating out um, in the neighborhoods. And I always think at the end, of, at, around this time of year, I always think when I see the amount that we've spent doing that, um, if I knew how much it was going to cost us to eat out this much, I would have made different choices during the year, and we wouldn't do it, at least not as often as, as, as we do. Um, but because when we eat out, it's just a little bit, it's just a few dollars at a time, it really doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It doesn't seem like it's going to add up to that much. And I was reflecting on this this week and thinking about this, um, and I was thinking, if we're not careful, that's exactly how it's going to be when our lives are over with our time. If we're not careful, it's easy for us if we were to look at a pie chart of how we've used our time that God has given us on the day of our death, if we were to look at that and see how we spent our time over the course of our life, there are going to be a lot of things, I think, for each one of us that we're going to look back on and we're going to wonder, why did I find that so important? Why did I spend so much time doing that? Why did, why was that, why did that matter so much to me? Um, things that may seem very important to us now will not seem so important when this life is finally over. And thinking about that, it's easy to get caught up in the daily stresses of doing so many important things. Um, that's not just true for uh, those of you who work in what you might think of as a secular field. That's also true um, for people who work in ministry and people who work as evangelists, as I do, um, I think this is a problem for all of us. And it's possible for us to, like Martha, get so focused on doing important things that we neglect 
the one thing that is necessary. And so that's why I want to talk to you about this uh, story today since we've been studying together the story of Mary and Martha. This is a great time for us to take a little bit of time to reflect on this matter and do a little bit of self-examination. And I can assure you um, that if you find yourself struggling in this area or failing in this area, that you are not alone. I have been doing some soul-searching myself this week. And, uh, and, and the, my hope is that as we reflect on this, the difference between things that are important and things that are necessary, my hope is that this will keep some of you from falling into this trap. Um, and for some of us that maybe have fallen into this trap of prioritizing important things over what is necessary, it may encourage us to make some changes. So let's talk a little bit about the story. Um, it's just five short verses, uh, as Brian read, verses 38 to 42. But I'd like to kind of retell the story and get you hopefully to think about some things um, that, uh, that Luke is stressing in this story that maybe you haven't thought uh, completely about before. So Jesus comes to this village of Bethany and there's a woman named Martha who receives him and welcomes him into her home. By the way, that is very commendable. In fact, when somebody came to a village, uh, some, they're, they're, they didn't have inns and hotels like we do today um, as prevalent there, and especially in a small village like Bethany. You would be dependent upon someone to take you in. If you're visiting a town like that, you would be dependent on somebody to take you in to, that, to a home. So actually, Martha shows some remarkable hospitality here to welcome Jesus into her home. Uh, and imagine Jesus came to Brooklyn and you had an opportunity to have Jesus in your home. Uh, I want you to think about how much work would be involved in preparing to have Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God in your home. Have you ever welcomed somebody into your home and, uh, and maybe you were expecting that your family members would be there to help you prepare for it, or your friends would come and help you make things ready for your guests who are coming, only to find that they're so focused on something else that they're nowhere to be found when there's work to be done in preparation. Um, that's a frustrating thing. You can ask my wife about that, um, and she'll tell you um, all the many times I've left her to, uh, to do some of that hard work. And I'll tell you, I've felt that sometimes, where I'm trying to do something that I feel like is important, and other people are not helping with it, and it's a frustrating feeling. You can understand why Martha is feeling the way that she is. So Martha has this sister, Mary, um, and you can be sure that her sister, who seems, seems that she's living with her, you can be sure that Martha is expecting Mary to help with the preparations. But Mary, but, but Mary is not even thinking about the preparations at all. When Jesus is in her home, she's so focused on him, she's, th she's thinking, Jesus is here, and I'm going to sit at his feet, and I'm going to focus entirely on listening to his word. And so Mar Martha is busy doing the work, but Mary is intently focused on Jesus. And of course, this is troubling to Martha. Uh, because not only is she distracted by uh, all the preparations, which, by the way, the word here for preparations, my translation uses, your translation may there have their serving or ministry. The word here is literally deaconing. She's distracted by much deaconing. That is much ministry. There's a lot of ministry that has to be done in order to have Jesus in her home and all the people that would come with him. And so, so she's not only distracted by that, uh, but not only does she have a lot to do, but she doesn't have anybody to help her with it. 
And her, and her sister, meanwhile, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm sure Martha wishes she could have sat at the feet of Jesus. But she's feeling like, wow, I got so much to do. There's so much work to be done. How could Mary just sit down and ignore all the ministry that she's having to do? And, and Mary ignore all the ministry that she should be attending to in the home. And so finally, Martha musters up the courage to say to Jesus in verse 40, Lord, do you not care? Are you not concerned that my sister has left me to do all the ministry alone? Tell her to help me. So now Martha's not only frustrated with, not only stressed by all the work to do, she's also stressed at her sister, but now we see she's frustrated at Jesus. What is Jesus doing? Doesn't Jesus know that her place is here helping and serving? That if she was really hospitable, she wouldn't be sitting at his feet. She'd be up helping me take care of these things. And I just want to point out here, this is not just Martha that would have been feeling that way. I imagine that every other guest in that home would have felt the same way that, Mary, that Martha felt about this. Um, and just to get you to think about this a, a little bit, it was not customary, it was not at all customary in the culture of the day for women to be seated at the feet of a rabbi. The people that sit at the feet of a rabbi are the disciples, that is, the ones who are being trained to become teachers. And according to Jewish custom and culture, women were not to be teachers. In fact, a rabbi in the first and second century, around the same time as Jesus, his name is Eleazar ben Hyrcanus. Um, never heard of him until I was reading this, but actually he's one of the most frequently quoted rabbis in the Mishnah. Um, he said this around the same time that Jesus lived. He said, instructing a woman in the law is like teaching her blasphemy. That's crazy. Then he said, um, let the law be burned rather than entrusted to a woman. All right, these are pretty shocking statements. All right, he's got another one. Um, a woman's wisdom is limited to the handling of the distaff. Now, we don't use that word distaff, but the distaff is the thing that you use to make clothes, to spin wool. That is, a woman's wisdom has its place in the spinning of wool and in the making of clothing and in the, you could say, in the housework. We have an Americanized uh, version of this that I've heard before um, where people give a slight against women and say, a woman's place is in the kitchen, right? Um, or in the, or in the, in, 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 in the uh, serving of the home. Um, and essentially, that's what most Jews would have thought. Uh, it was highly unusual for a woman to be seated at the feet of a rabbi in the first century. Um, women were supposed to be taking care of the deaconing, of the ministry. Leave the discipleship to the men. But Jesus is no ordinary rabbi. Just think about that, though. So Martha's not the only one in the room thinking, Jesus, aren't you concerned about this? While it certainly is more personal for her because it's putting more of a burden on her, Everybody would have been thinking, hey, Mary, what is Mary doing here? She should, be, she should be taking care of the needs around the home and helping out her sister. But what's most shocking in this story is that it's actually not Mary that Jesus is concerned about. It's Martha. It's not Mary that Jesus has words of rebuke for. It's Martha. And Jesus answered Martha, and I, I get the picture here. You, you wish you could hear the audio of this conversation, but I get the picture here that Jesus is tenderly saying to Martha, 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 
You're so anxious, you're so troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. You can imagine that was probably even more shocking to Martha, to hear Jesus turn around and not tell Mary, get up and go help your sister, but actually to tell her, hey, Martha, you're the one who's anxious and troubled about many things and you're focused on all the wrong things. So Jesus is not only telling Martha you're too stressed about all the deaconing, but he's also affirming that he welcomes women, Mary, at his feet to learn from him and to become his disciples. Jesus is pleased with Mary's choice, and he's actually concerned about Martha's. So what I'd like for us to consider for a few moments together is this. The contrast between Martha and Mary. Martha's worried and troubled about many important things. Um, Let's just be clear about this. These are not trivial things. I don't think any of us would think it a trivial matter to host the Son of God in our home, right? I mean, that is, if, as far as hospitality goes, there's no more important hospitality than that, right? Uh, entertaining the Son of God. Um, these are important things that she's ministering to in the home. But she's stressed about all the ministry to the point that it leads her to become upset with her sister, become upset with the, with, with the Lord himself, um, and frustrated at the fact that he's not concerned about her sister. Mary, meanwhile, is focused on the one thing that is necessary, sitting at the feet of Jesus to listen to his word. And so today I want us to think a little bit about how do we discern the difference between um, what is important and what is necessary, what is essential. Um, I think this is one of the hardest things and one of the most critical things about being a disciple. Learning to discern the difference between what is important and what is necessary. Um, And I don't think that I have fully figured this out. So I hope you don't expect to get all the answers today. But I do hope to say some things from that I think are from scripture that will force us as a group or encourage us as a group, provoke us as a group to think more about this. Um, Let's talk about important things. Um, we spend so much time, so much money, and so much effort on things that are important, very important. Uh, for example, our minds are important. So we spend a lot of money for education um, and to go to college and to get degrees. Um, we spend money uh, getting the news to make sure that we're educated um, or buying books to make sure that we're learned. Um, or um, doing, we spend a lot of time doing homework to make sure that we understand our subjects so that we can get the degrees to make sure that our mind is, uh, is growing and maturing in the way that we, we would like for it to. Not only are our minds important, our bodies are important. Um, and uh, especially in a society and in a culture that's becoming more and more aware about things that we've been doing to our bodies that may be harmful, Uh, Things like exercise is very important to us. Uh, Going to the doctor and going to the dentist. Um, Taking medications and dieting uh, is important to us, especially as New Yorkers. Uh, We want to make sure that we stay in shape. Um, It's that time of year, every year, where I start running for a month um, as we prepare for the Prospect Park uh, 5K. Um, And uh, I've been thinking about that. You know, body's important. I got to get... I got to work off. I've gained about 15 pounds since moving to Brooklyn, and I need to lose some of it. So, um, 
not only is our bodies important, our career is important, right? And that's why we spend so much time searching for jobs or searching for a better job, doing professional development, getting more degrees, or just simply working long hours, sometimes working even longer hours uh, than what are required or what is needed. Um, on top of that, we have our social life that is important. We, you know, we are working to look respectable and uh, we're working to act respectable and, and to spend, we spend a lot of time scrolling through social media, keeping up with friends around, uh, around the city and around the world. Um, and if we're honest, probably also comparing ourselves to uh, them and seeing how we match up with other people, um, reconnecting with people that we may have lost touch with and trying to stay connected with all the people that are important to us in our life. Not only that, our children are important. Um, and so we, it's important for us to teach them and raise them up in the right way and get them educated and keep them healthy and make sure they've got all their shots and take them to keep them active and involved in activities that are going to help them, sports and, uh, and, and arts and music and all sorts of things that are going to stimulate them and help them to grow up and be successful. Uh, give them social lives that are respected among their peers. Then on top of that, we've got the community and the city and our nation that is important. You know, keeping up with the news about what's going on in, in Brooklyn and what's going on in New York City and what's going on in the U.S. and what, is, what kind of corruption is there today in our government and, um, and what kind of crime, what new crime is there in our neighborhood um, that we need to be watching out for and what are some of the social ills in our society that we need to be helping to solve and resolve. And then, uh, lest you thought this was just for you, um, our church family is important. And sometimes, like Martha, there's uh, a, much ministry to attend to that comes with the needs of the saints, that comes with staying connected with our brethren, that comes with being hospitable toward other people, and making sure that we're providing all the things that every member, brother and sister, needs. Uh, and the danger, I think, is that we can place so much emphasis so, so much time and so much money and so much effort in things that are important that we may neglect the things that are essential. Sometimes we may neglect the things that we really cannot live without. And I wonder if Jesus wouldn't say to us sometimes or say to me sometimes, Caleb, Caleb, you are worried about so many things. You are distracted. You're so focused on the important that you are neglecting the essential. Well, what is the essential? Well, for Mary, the essential was, the one thing that was necessary was to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him. And I want you to think about this. We think education is essential. But the Bible says that the most important education we could ever receive is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In chapter 9 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The Bible says that there's actually no real wisdom and no real knowledge that does not begin with the fear of God. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse uh, 23, Jeremiah says something interesting here. He says... Uh, let me read this so I don't misquote it. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches. 
But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Here's the essential. To understand and to know the Lord. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8, Paul tells Timothy that bodily exercise profits little. But godliness is profitable for all things, for this life and the life to come. That is, bodily exercise is helpful. It's important. It keeps us in shape. It keeps us healthy. But the problem is that bodily exercise doesn't help you after you die. Godliness is important, not just now in your life right now, but it's important for all of eternity. And so godliness is far more important. Godliness is necessary. It's far more important than exercise. One other text uh, that I think helps us in thinking about the essential. uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18, Paul talks about how we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That is, there are things which are seen that are temporal, and the emphasis as a Christian, as a disciple, needs to be on the things that are eternal. What is essential is for each one of us to know the Lord, to sit at his feet, and to learn from him so that we can live for him. And that cannot be neglected. So here comes the hard part, then. How do I know if what is important is being prioritized in my life more than what is necessary? How do I discern if the important has overtaken the essential in my life? And I'm not sure I know all the answers to that. Um, I think I can notice it. I can tell in myself sometimes when it happens. Um, but I'm not sure I could say for you uh, or for any one of you exactly how to know that, but I do want to give you, I wrote down 10 things here um, that I've been thinking about this week that hopefully will be helpful to you. Many of these are convicting to me, um, but I've also tried to think about things that are helpful for all of us as a family um, to consider. And I'm not saying that if these things are true of you, that it means absolutely that you are neglecting the essential, but I hope it will lead you to think more about this and reflect on this and at least consider the possibility that you may struggle also with the Martha spirit. Uh, one thing I thought about, especially it's Final Four time, uh, ba- basketball's been on TV nonstop. Um, if I can find time to watch the game, but I can't find time to pray, I might be uh, more interested in the important, although I don't even know if you can call basketball that important, you know, um, especially when Kentucky's not in the Final Four. So, um, yeah. I might be uh, more focused on the important than the essential. Uh, If I have no problem working 50, 60, 70 hour weeks, but I can't find time to teach my children about the Lord, or I can't find time to encourage my spouse in the Lord, then I might have a problem with prioritizing the important over the essential. Um, If I spend more time enjoying the company of unbelievers than I spend in fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I might need to consider whether the important has become more important to me than the necessary. Or if my schedule is so busy that I can't find any time during the week to spend with the family of God. You remember Jesus saying in the, in the Gospel of Luke already, who is my mother and my brothers? Those who do the will of God. 
Uh, if I never ever miss a school class, an exercise class, a sports class, or any other work professional development opportunity, if I never miss any of those, but I have no problem skipping Bible class, then I might need to ask myself if the essential has become more important, if the important has become more, more important to me than the essential. Or if I spend more time on social media, whether it be Facebook or Instagram, or Twitter, and I spend more time uh, doing that or watching the news than I do actually in the Word of God and in prayer. Um, if I'm spending more time on YouTube or surfing the web than I am actually devoted to time alone listening to the Lord, um, then I might need to consider this. Uh, if I'm so busy ministering that I can't find time alone with God, even if it's Christian ministry, like ser Christian service, if I'm so busy ministering that I can't find time alone with God, either I'm more spiritual than Jesus and I don't need to pray because Jesus, we see in the Gospel of Luke, is often withdrawing to pray. Or I might just be too busy and I might need to change my schedule. Or how about this from the Good Samaritan? If my schedule is so tight, I'm so busy that I see someone on the road beaten and bloodied and I can't stop to help them because I'm too busy, Something might be wrong, and I might have the important, more important than the essential. After all, you can imagine a priest and a Levite passing by. They're not just going to watch a movie. You know, they're probably going to the synagogue. One of them maybe is late to preach or something, you know, and he's like, I got to go. But if I'm so busy and I'm, my schedule's so tight that I can't stop to help somebody who's beaten and bloody, somebody who's desperately in need, then I might just be too busy. Uh, there's probably a lot more things that you could think about and I hope that you will and I hope you'll share some with me you may see some areas in which I'm displaying uh, more of these Martha characteristics and you'd be my friend to uh, point those out to me um, I thank God that this week actually um, Lindsay and I have had some conversations that have helped me to see some areas in my life where I've failed in this um, and like I said this is not just a problem for uh, people who work a secular job this is a problem for people who work in any area of life. Martha is trying to be a disciple, and yet she's so distracted by the important that she's missing the essential. And so I, here's my prayer. My prayer is that all of us would try to help each other in this. That when you see me becoming like Martha, too stressed about important things and neglecting the essential, that you'd say something to me about it. Um, or that you'd ask me, hey, Caleb, are you sure you're giving the priority? Or how are you doing with that? You know, you know, you gave that sermon about uh, talking about Mary and Martha. Are you are you living like Mary or are you living like Martha? Um, and I hope that we can get to the point as a family where we're comfortable having those conversations with one another. And we realize that those conversations need to happen out of love to help one another. I am not uh, mature to the point where I am no longer in need of correction. And uh, just newsflash, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, and so I depend on you as my family, and I depend on Lindsay as my wife, uh, and other people who are in my life to help me with that and to correct me when I get off track. And I say all that because the truth is that we don't want to live like Martha. We don't want to get to the end of our life and live our whole lives being stressed about all these things. And then you get to the end of life and you realize, wow, all that stuff I was working for, it's all perishing. It's all going to be done away with. Do you remember Jesus saying this in John 6? Do not work for the food which perishes, 
but for the food which endures to eternal life. The problem with Martha is, as I get the impression here, Martha's not satisfied with just having Jesus in her home and sitting at his feet and listening, maybe offering peanut butter and jelly. She's trying to go all out here. She's trying to make this a, 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 a gathering fit for a king, which is understandable. I mean, culturally, that was understandable. But for Jesus, it wasn't what Jesus needed, nor what he wanted. He wanted Martha at his feet. He wanted Martha to learn. And I think about that uh, for us, you know, the truth is that if we live like Mary, if we live like Mary, there are going to be people that are going to be upset with us. There are going to be people that think we're crazy. Like all of those Jewish people who were there surrounding Jesus, who were looking at Mary like, what is this woman doing at Jesus' feet when she should be hosting and taking care and making sure this is a good gathering? I can imagine that they've probably gone to other people's houses before where there was quite an exquisite, uh, a nice spread of food, you know, and, uh, and they're looking for that here. We need to understand that if we're going to live like Mary, and if we're going to make the essential our main priority, people in the world are going to think we're crazy. Uh, do you remember people saying, uh, Paul saying, we are fools for Christ's sake? That was the idea. Um, people looked at what Paul was doing in the life that he lived, and they thought he was nuts. He, um, or, uh, or somebody saying to Paul on another occasion when he was preaching to him, such learning has made you mad. That is, it's, it's driven you crazy, Paul. Do you remember that even Jesus' own family came to take him away, thinking that he was beside himself, like he's lost it? Uh, so I just say that to say, I can't always follow the, the uh, court of public opinion on this. I need to be following God's word on this, and I need to be f- looking to people who, uh, who, who are trusted brothers and sisters and seeking their counsel on this. But this is important because if we live like Martha, we're going to get to the end of our life and we're going to wonder, what was I working for? And all those things that I spent so much time, so much money, and so much energy on, they just don't seem so important now. And none of us wants to get to the end of life and feel that way. We want to feel like everything that we've done in this world has had meaning. Not only is that true, but it's also true that spiritual burnout is possible. You've heard about people like burning out on their jobs or a lot of athletes are like grinding so much that eventually they just burn out of it. Um, spiritual burnout is possible. If I'm not taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus and taking time to, to sit and focus on listening to Jesus and talking to Jesus, it's possible that I may be involved in much ministry, but I may eventually burn out. And if I don't take that time with the Lord, I'm on the way to becoming a very stressed disciple, uh, just like Mary, or just like Martha was. Only one thing is necessary. And that's the point of the sermon. Only one thing is necessary. Let us choose the good part which cannot be taken away. The number one priority for each one of us, for every one of us, should be to set aside time for what is necessary. Listening to the Lord and talking to God and spending time with Him. After all, when we get to the end of our life, that'll be the only one that matters. The only one thing that cannot be taken away is eternity at the feet of Jesus. So let us, be, let us be diligent that we're not so busy preparing for things that will be taken away that we neglect to prepare for the one thing that will never be taken away. Let us learn to discern the difference between what is important and what is necessary. And let us help each other toward that end. Let us pray.
God, our Father, we thank you for the time today. We come to you humbly. Uh, we know that you are holy. You are high and exalted. You are the great God above all gods. And yet sometimes, God, uh, we know that we get distracted by things in this world. Um, we get distracted by important things even in this world. And we can get stressed and anxious about so many things that we miss the one thing that is necessary. I pray, dear God, that you would forgive us for that. Forgive us for our failures in prioritizing our time with you. I pray, dear God, that as a church that we would grow in this and that we would mature to center our lives around the one thing that is necessary, to center our lives around you. Help us toward that end. Help us not to live life uh, thinking only about things that are important, but the things that are going to perish and be taken away from us. But help us, Lord, like Mary, to choose the good part that will never be taken away. We need your wisdom. We lack wisdom. And uh, we need your clen continual cleansing for our failures and our sins in this, in this area. But Lord, please forgive us and please transform us by the power of your grace um, and make us more like you. Make us long for you more and more day by day. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.